Hello, beautiful souls. We bring you conscious content filled with empowering information. Designed to align you with the fulfilling freedom of activated awareness. I am Rachel Alcyon. And I am Daniel Alcyon. Welcome Welcome to to the the Ecstatic Ecstatic Existence Podcast. Hello, lovely listeners. We have a very different episode for you this time. Instead of sharing an interview with an expert in the field of health, wellness, or spirituality, this one is more personal. Yeah, we want to give you a window into our world. This last spring, 2016, Rachel and I traveled to Iceland. And it was the most transformational experience. I have never been more connected to a land in my entire life. And I've lived all over the world and traveled all over the world. And as soon as I got there, it was uh, its like being on another planet. It was like coming home again. I absolutely love the culture of Iceland and the way that the people show up and the reverence and honor that they have for their country and for the earth. Yeah. And so that's really deeply felt in every area of the country. Uh, you know, we drove Ring Road. And so in this first of a three-part series... What we're doing is presenting to you our travel log. Yeah. We recorded our experience every single day. We drove around the whole country of Iceland in a camper van exploring. And each day we would just document our experience. And so we're going to share that with you. Yeah. Come along for the adventure. In part one, this is a three-part series. Just in part one, we visited Waterfall of the Gods. So much. Wow. It was, uh, it's huge. The giant waterfalls. As you listen, you'll learn more about why it's called Waterfall of the Gods. Then we went to the ominous and foreboding Dimu Borgir. Dun dun dun. And uh, soaked in some hot springs. There's hot springs and geothermals all over Iceland, so we'll take you on a tour of those. We also drove up into the northern part of the country and camped in the tundra. I mean, it was like ice and snow for as far as the eye could see, and we were freezing and cooking, and it's... And I was cooking spaghetti on a little camp stove in my parka, like, in the Icelandic northern yeah, tundra. Yeah, it's hilarious. Um, we got to see the traditional turf houses, which are built into the earth, and we also got to meet lots of Icelandic horses. There was a really exciting point of the journey where we got to rescue a baby lamb. Yep. So we have Saga of the Lamb. Uh, the Icelandic love their sagas or their, their grandiose stories. So yeah, we give you Saga of the Lamb in this first series. We go to the majestic Glacier Lagoon. Oh, uh, there's nothing like it in the world. It's incredible. So we got to take a boat through giant glaciers. Yeah, this has been the scene of many movies, including James Bond. James Bond has, like, zipped through Glacier Lagoon. Yep. Uh, We had a supernatural experience. On the black sand beaches of Vik. So be sure to listen all the way to the end so you can catch that sweet story. All right, let's take a journey to the land of fire and ice. Come with us to Iceland. So we just landed a little while ago in Iceland, 
and it was a pretty interesting flight flying over Greenland, which was just like fields of endless white and uh, frozen wasteland, and some of northern Canada, which was really awesome because it was like hundreds and hundreds of tiny frozen lakes. And it is currently 7 o'clock in the morning, Reykjavik time, and that feels like 12 o'clock midnight to us, Seattle time. So we are just starting our day here as we feel like we should just be wrapping our day up. It's, uh, it's really great. And the energy here is really clean and really calm, and we're just getting ready to get our adventure started. It's super exciting. It's 9 o'clock Saturday night, and we've been driving for most of the day. We found an absolutely amazing place to park and set up for the night because we're in our sweet little camper van, Mini Home. It's the most stunning, breathtaking views. And I actually had Daniel turn the, turn the van around so that when we wake up, we'll be able to be met with this pristine lake nestled in a valley of um, snow-capped mountains. And the whole drive was was sprinkled and dotted with beautiful Icelandic horses, not to be confused with ponies, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and their manes just like flowing in the breeze. And it's springtime, so the sheep have given birth to a bunch of little lambs, and so there's all these cute little black and white lambs running around. Oh. <laughs> And the landscape is pretty, it's pretty different, you know, pretty surreal. There's some areas that there's just kind of nothing, these big open expanses. And there's not really any trees, and so it's just this low-lying grass for as far as you can see. And the sky is beautiful and the air is clean. I really feel like I'm settling into a different pace. Uh, a lot of what I've been working with... Not even working with, but um, exploring is no thought and no mind and definitely no ego. And that feels a lot easier to achieve out here amidst all of the vastness. Yeah, and our road music, we've been keeping it Icelandic and like listening to some Sigurós and some Samaras. And so even the words that are in the music, we can't understand them. And it sounds like elf pixie fairy language. So it doesn't give the brain much to get attached to. Yeah, it's been really therapeutic. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's kind of been quite a long day. We took a little power nap. We just, like, crashed out and took a power nap for a while. <laughs> I just pulled off on the side of the road. I started to fall asleep. I was like, nope, we got to take a nap here. So we're going to cook some dinner. We're going to have a lovely evening. And tomorrow we'll probably see some really amazing sights. It's pretty awesome. It's the best. Day one. It is Sunday, day two of our epic journey. And uh, a little while ago, we went to Gutafoss Waterfall, which was really incredible and powerful. Yeah, tell them some of the history. Well, the story is that when Iceland was still in the early ages, one of the um, Christian ministers 
went up to the waterfall and threw all of the uh, Nordic gods' statues into the waterfall and declared Iceland a Christian nation. So since then, it's been Waterfall of the Gods, which is Gudafoss. Gudafoss. But the D is kind of like a TH. Gudafoss. Yeah. <laughs> We're learning. We're still really getting into the language. It's so wild. And then... Right now, we're just parked. We just got back into our camper van from walking around Dimuborger. Which is this gnarly volcanic land. The name means dark cities or dark castles. And you metalheads out there may know that it is also like a Norwegian black metal band. Which is kind of hilarious, but you could see why they named themselves after this place, because it's really intense and craggy and gnarly, and there's all these big black, like, sharp spires and lava tubes. And there's definitely a, a specific energetics here, and there's this big, huge crater, this big volcanic crater that's just black. Everything is black, uh, except for then we are surrounded by then all these snow-capped peaks, which is really stunning contrast. And then the legend has it that this is where uh, Lucifer fell. So the angel fell from the heavens and landed here and created this volcanic pit that then there was this this sort of fire and sparks and eruption and seismic activity. And uh, that's kind of what it looks like happened here. Now, however, there are the... What are they called, Daniel? The Yule... The Yule Lads. Yule Lads. So, um... Yeah, the land is really beautiful, and the Yule lads, they hang out and play pranks, and they're sort of... They sing songs. They're kind of like elves. Yeah, like gnomes. Gnomish, elf little people. Yep. And they sleep during the summer, and then they wake up as it begins to get winter. There's 13 brothers, and they all have funny names based on what they eat or what they do. And these 13 brothers are the son of a particular troll. I forget his name. Yeah, a troll the, and a troll The wife. 13 sons of this troll. And, yeah, they play pranks. And one is, like, this spoon licker, and one's the sausage stealer. Sausage stealer. And one's the door slammer, because he's known for, like, waking people up by slamming doors and making all kinds of In loud noises. In the middle noises. of the night, yeah. <laughs> and um, it's also called, like, the Manhattan of, uh, of what, the fairies? The Hinderfolk. The Hinderfolk. So, yeah, there's so many caves and archways and places to crawl into, and, yeah, it's like the real hot spot for the little people. And you can you can feel that energetic as well. Yeah, and with all the spires, the lava spires are like skyscrapers, you know, and so it's the Manhattan for the, the hinterfolk, the hidden people. Yeah, so Dimor di Dimu Borgir. Dimu Borgir. Dark Castle. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> Our journey is going to continue. We're going to head down the road and do some more epic stuff, and we'll check in with you later. Hot Springs.
Well, <laughs> it's the end of day two, and it's midnight, and it's totally still bright outside. Yeah. You may hear a little noise. That is the heater in our camper van keeping us toasty. Which is very necessary because we are camping in the tundra, the mountain tundra of Iceland. Of northern Iceland. Northern Iceland. But before we got here, we went to the lovely Mittvin. My Vitten. My Vitten. My Vitten. We're trying here. <laughs> Icelanders that are listening to this, please be kind and forgiving because your language is extremely interesting. We went to the Myviton nature baths. Nature baths, yeah. These are thermals. They're uh, natural hot springs, and they are beautiful. There are varying degree and temperature baths, and they're this this really like electric ice blue. Kind of like milky, milky ice blue. Yeah, it's just gorgeous, and it overlooks the lake and the mountains, and it's pristine. And the lake that it overlooks has a legend in it. We didn't actually go right down to the lake. Well, we kind of did. We went down to that place that has a bunch of craters and weird stuff. Yeah. And a long time ago, a young girl was given a gold ring and then for some reason was told that if she put a ring, a, a worm. No. Oh, yeah. If she put a worm on the ring. By the, by the rock, by the, by the lake. By the rock, by the lake, that the gold would grow. And so she would get more gold. And that happened. The gold actually grew, but so did the worm. And she came back, what, like a few days later, and the worm had grown, and it freaked her out. And so she threw the ring and the worm into the lake. And it kept growing. And so now there's a giant... It's kind of like Loch Ness Monster. So like there's old a giant Nessie out there. <laughs> lake Myviton Yeah, some dude, monster. some old man got it on video. It was like this big, giant snake. Yeah, it's like a huge slithery worm snake in the huge lake. Like 60 feet long or something. Yeah. Correction for the sake of accuracy. This legend about the monster... Lagerplotsormur. ...actually takes place in an entirely different Icelandic lake named... Lagerplot. Thank you. Anyway, that's pretty cool. We didn't go there. <laughs> we went right next to it. <laughs> we went right next to it. And that was close to Dimoborg here, too. Where we yeah, were. yeah. So we, we got to have our, we got our sauna on, and, um, even the steam room is generated by the, by the thermals from the land, and. And it's pretty cool. It's like family friendly, and then the whole bottom of the lagoon is like sand and gravel, and so mm -hmm. it's kind of like a little foot massage as you walk around. Yeah, and I gave Daniel a Watsu massage. Oh, that was so nice. It was wonderful. I was like just giving myself into it. And then we, uh, where did we go? I mean, it looked like we were on the moon. Oh yeah, there was. A, we went. We stopped at a crazy geothermal like caldera. Mm-hmm. Like a big um, field, it's similar to like Yellowstone area. So there's all these boiling mud pits. Yeah, and they're sulfurous, and so they smell, and they're they're spewing out the most magnificent colors, actually. So. The earth is like this, this sort of brown rust color, and then the sulfur that comes out is this lime green, and then there's also this really beautiful. What, what do we say? It's like, like a, a light blue. It's like a lav a lavender slate periwinkle, sort of blue gray. Yeah. 
It's lovely colors and very smelly and lots of steam. And some of them are quite aggressive, just like. Oh, then there's the ones. There's some that are like really blasting it out, like. Mm-hmm. And then some of them are yeah, just like b- bubbling and boiling. It looks like um, oh, what's that movie? Like the labyrinth. Like the labyrinth. Yes, yeah. thank you. <laughs> And then Rachel even found like some ruins. She found an old foundation for what looks like it used to be a hot pool out yeah, there. Probably from like the 20s or something, 20s or 30s, we thought. Yeah, but there's no water in that anymore. So then we drove on from there all through the upper end of Iceland. And north, it's north. Wow. All snow and mountains and these, we saw these beautiful swans. Mm-hmm. We saw some snow sw- swans. Snow swans. And then we finally found a great place to park and we set up and it's awesome. There's a river and a waterfall like right in our backyard and you can see it where the river emerges from the snow and then goes back into the snow. That's pretty cool. And we made a beautiful pasta dinner. (laughs) Yep. We set up and made spaghetti. And a beautiful salad. And a salad. And it was so cool. With our camping stove. I've never experienced anything like this before. This is really adventurous. And um, I mean, I've been to the top of the Alps and seen these like vast expanses of snow and, and ice and never quite like this. I mean, when I went there, you just like take a little little tram up the mountain and you go walk around and you come back down. And um, But this we're like driving for through hours. for hours, hours, just like climbing up the mountain and then driving up at the tops of all of the mountains. Yeah. It's pretty wild. And then at the end of our dinner, it started to get pretty cold. We both reached our cold tolerance and like started basically <laughs> Like with shivering. the back spasms and trying to wash dishes and, ah, I gotta <laughs> yeah. get in there. <laughs> and trying to wash dishes with like cold water because we don't have any hot water. So that right. was kind of funny. And, um, yeah, it's amazing. It was another great day. And like I say, it's midnight and it's totally still bright outside. It's the midnight sun. Mm-hmm. You can still see. It's like dusk. Yeah. But it's, you could see completely. You don't need any lights or flashlights or anything. And uh, we're going to go at it again tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to have all kinds of adventures in store. Yeah, we're all nestled in in our camper van with our sleeping bags and the heater and all bundled up. It's exciting. It's super fun. Thanks for being on the journey with us. Yeah. Stay tuned for more. Love you. Bye. It's Monday morning, and I just woke up. And looking around, it was so surreal getting up and getting out of uh, my little sleeping bag this morning because everything was white. There's rocks, and then snow, and then the sky is also white and gray, and the sky blends in with the snow, just wide on wide on white. It's very cold. It's windier than it was yesterday, and I just took a little walk. And uh, I'm standing next to the river that we camped next to last night. All right, so this morning after we left our snowy campsite up in the mountains, we drove for so long through snowy mountains, and it was really beautiful and breathtaking, and it almost felt like it would never end. Yeah, it looked like the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And the whole time I'm, like, watching the gas gauge, because I know I have enough gas to get me to the next gas station, but I don't know when it's going to come. And with just under a quarter tank left, I found a little gas station unmanned. Yeah, just... just one pump, 
No, nobody around for miles. <laughs> no human beings anywhere. And we were kind of wondering why everything was so sleepy today because it was Monday. And then later in the day, we realized that it was a national holiday today. Yeah, we tried to go to the post office and it was closed at like two o'clock in the afternoon. And every little village that we went through was like there was nothing happening. Nothing. Um, and we had some really cool sightings. We got to s get some up close interactions with some Icelandic horses. Yeah. And Not to be confused with ponies. We also explored some Icelandic turf houses. Yep, historical old turf houses. And so they would gather a bunch of rocks and make a wall. And then in between, they would put like mud and turf, turf being these grass mounds, and then build a whole roof out of the, out of the turf. And they blend in with the ground. They look like part of the hill. Yeah, it looks like basically just a lump in the ground because it's all covered with the same grass that like runs up the side and over the roof. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. It's wild. So that was great. <laughs> we visited a couple more stunning waterfalls, of mm, course. Yeah, they were everywhere. Because they're everywhere. We visited a bunch of villages today, like little villages all in the East, East fjord. Fjords. East Fjords. And for those that might not know, a fjord is like a long ocean inlet. So it's kind of like narrow and really long. And as you're navigating the roads on the coastline, you kind of have to turn all the way down and go Even all the way out, around yeah. the inside of the fjord and then all the way back to the outside and then around the corner. And then there's another fjord going all the way back in and all the way back out. And each one kind of has its own specific identity and flavor. Mm-hmm. Well, we found that, that old abandoned sort of like farm. Farmstead. Yeah, where you did the photosphere. Daniel does these photospheres everywhere we go. The, yeah. The Google. They're like 3D, 3D photos. I'll put a link to that in this episode. And then uh, you guys can check that out because they're completely immersive 360 degree spherical photographs. So you can see the sky, the ground all the way around you instead of just one side of the photo. And I try to pick locations that are really unique and really stunning and things that you don't normally get to see. So They're I'll, quite popular. You have a bunch from all over the world, everywhere we've gone, really. Yeah, and people really like them. They, they are quite popular. I get a lot of views. So I'll put all those up. I got, I got a cool photosphere here and a lighthouse. There's this like bright orange lighthouse mm -hmm. next to uh, some old stone ruins that just looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Then we continued on our journey. Oh, but we also stopped, we stopped at this stopped other at little cafe. village. We stopped at a cafe. Yeah. That was great. Talked to a French guy that lives in Iceland and works there. Mm -hmm. There's a few French people that like choose to come here and live and work. It's interesting. And then uh, we went to this little funky kind of art city, art village, that had some weird sculptures and like all these eggs. There's all these stone eggs that are all lined up. Yeah, they were really beautiful. Actually, we had seen a preview of them on the on the flight over, so they're quite well known. They're like carved out of granite and match all the different the different birds that are in the area. This guy like out of granite carved all these uh eggs. Yeah, and then they're to... all lined up on pedestals along the seashore. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and then we were going and we were just going to uh settle into our evening and find our campsite because we always have to find a good place to park at the end of the night in our camper van that we're laying in right now and mm -hmm. talking to you from. And as we're driving, a little unexpected occurrence happened. Yeah, as a good 
copiloto, a co-pilot, I was, um, you know, I just like look around and see what's good. And, and then I, I see way off in the distance, this little thing running, but I couldn't tell what it was because it was so little and it was so far away and it sort of blended in. And I'm like, what the heck is that? Daniel, what the heck is that? We're both like, what is that? And then we get closer and I'm like, oh my God, Daniel, it's a lamb. It's a lamb. There's a fucking lamb in the middle of the road. And so we, we like screech to a stop and Daniel rolls down the window and I'm like, oh, this is a great photo op. Oh my God. And I hand over my phone and he rolls down the window and starts recording. And this little lamb, oh, so little, so little and so sweet. And it was just like crying and crying for its mother. And it basically ran towards us. It was running up towards us and crying out for help. It was like, help me, help me. Yeah. It was looking for help. And like when it saw that we were stopping, it was trying to get our attention. Yeah. It came right up to the door and was like making a bunch of sounds. And then it ran around the other side to my side, making a bunch of sound back over to Daniel's driver's side. And I've, I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I get out and I, I start, you know, recording. And, and at this point when I start to get out, he comes up towards me and then he starts running away and like bolting back down the street. And I'm like, Oh my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And so then I, he comes back. I and get, you almost gave up. I get him to come back. And, and then I almost gave up and just said, let's just like drive off. And then I, and then Daniel pulls over and parks the car and I go off after this lamb who's running in the middle of the street and then back on the side and I get up closer and he's crying and crying and crying. But then I see that he has like little specks of blood. I see some blood on his chin and around his, like on his neck, but he won't let me get near him. So then I run, what do I do? Then I run back and I tell you. I'm just like, you got to get that lamb. You got to, we got to do something yeah, with it. Yeah, so I get my coat on. I get my gloves on. Like, we got to do something about this. And so then I, I go back and I run back after him and I scoop him up. And I, I mean, I've never picked up a lamb before. I was a little bit nervous. But, you know, I just held his back legs and he, he kind of tried to kick a little bit, but he, he was, I think he really liked us. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. <laughs> yeah. And his ears were all cut up. Yep. It was bleeding. like he squeezed through the fence or something. And, and both of the, uh, where his ears would come to a point, it was like a V, a chunk was taken out on both sides. And then a little bit down by the base of the ear, by the, by the head on the one side. Yep. And he was bleeding. It was just like bleeding profusely. Like it had just happened. There hadn't yeah. been enough time for it to coagulate or no. scab up or anything. No. It was very recent. Dripping, dripping blood. So then I pick him up and we see a, so on one side of the street is a big field where there's other sheep. And then and a on, farm. And then like a, the farm with some farm equipment. Then on the other side of the street is another pasture with some other sheep and a house, a beautiful farmhouse and also like a garage. And so we're like, well, we can't just put this. We don't know which side of the street it belongs to. So we decide, well, we're going to take the lamb up to the house and knock on the door. And so Rachel's holding the lamb, and the lamb is bleeding all over her. It's like bleeding on her jacket. And like, meh, meh, meh. And it's starting to calm down the more the longer she holds it. And so I went up and I knocked on every single door on this Icelandic farmhouse. Gorgeous house, you know, nice yard and everything. And then to the barn, I'm like, wait, Rachel, I think I hear somebody talking out there. I think there's voices in the barn. 
And so we're like, okay, cool. And we walk over and it was a radio playing some Icelandic talk radio in the barn and there's nobody there. Meanwhile, we're like, hello, hello, all over their, you know, front yard and barn and stuff. And so then we're like, shit, what are we going to, what are we going to do with this lamb? We can't just leave it. It needs to be like wiped up and, you know, we don't know where its mother is. So I got a bunch of toilet paper that we had in the van and I cleaned it up as good as I could, mm-hmm. dabbed all its ears up. And uh, wiped its little chin. And we decided that we'd go into the uh, the first pasture where he he was kind of hanging out on that side of the road anyway. And see if maybe, like, if we brought him into the pasture, maybe his mother would come back. Or maybe some of the other sheep would tend to him until the owners. I don't know. So we start walking up. And then as we get closer and closer to all of this big herd, or mob as it's called sometimes, of sheep... And they have the big, huge horns, too. Uh, I see all the little babies sort of, like, scampering by their mothers. It's almost like the mothers were like, you know, get over here. Come back. And so I see all the little babies, like, run, and they go by their moms. Um, and the the little lamb that I'm holding is, that's bleeding is, you know, still he's crying out now that he sees the other sheep. And then some of them kind of start to stand up and, like, walk away. And some start to just stand up and, you know, go by other sheep and... This one big, she was a big mama. Big brown. Big brown mom. And she had four little babies and they were all spotted, you know, brown and black and white. And the one that I'm holding is like this pure white, (laughs) you know, iconic little lamb, like Easter Jesus lamb. (laughs) And um, so she comes up and she is with authority. She's kind of like moving fast. Like she was like jogging. She was like jogging at us, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. I start kind of freaking out a little bit because I don't want to get headbutted by a pissed off mom. So I kind of start hiding behind Daniel, and I'm holding this lamb still. And I'm like, Rachel, hold your ground. Oh my gosh. <laughs> He's like, don't run. And so I'm still holding the lamb, and it's kind of crying out. And so then I I set it down, and the lamb runs up. And she kind of investigates, and all the little baby lambs, they come and run, and they, like, meet their new friend. And Rachel, like, gave this lamb up, like, an offering. I did. I just was like, and here you go. <laughs> and, and all the little lambies, they're all, like, kind of running around, and this one's still, you know, crying for its mom. And she kind of looks at him and I think says okay, and then we start to kind of back up a little bit. And but she, then she ran after she us She ran again. after us she again. Came right up to she us. She did that a couple of times. And she kept smelling the bloody little tissue that I had that I'd wiped up the lamb with. It was still in one of my hands and that mama sheep was running up and like sniffing and sniffing that bloody tissue. Yeah. And we just keep trying to walk away, walk away. And then she would jog after us with all their little babies. And then finally we like were able to turn and walk away a little bit. And we saw her turn and walk and that little baby went with the mom and all the other babies. So, and the good thing is, is it got adopted. All the other little baby sheep had this a same ear tag, the same kind of ear tag that the one that we found did. And so I think we got it into the right field. Yeah, I do too. And if not, you know, at least it's adopted and it's taken yeah, care of. Yeah, it was totally an adoption moment. It was amazing. It was like Mowgli when he got adopted by the wolf, <laughs> the wolf cubs and the mom. Right, because the little one that 
you know, the little one that we saved was pure white and the other ones were all different. And so it like stood out with the little group it was with, but that's okay. We like saved a sheep out of the road, a little baby lamb. It was wild. I've never had an experience like that. And we documented the whole thing on video. On Facebook, so you can see Put it on too. Facebook, and we called it the Saga of the Lamb, yeah, parts one, the, two, and three. Yeah, because the Icelandic, <laughs> they're really into the sagas, right? Like, everywhere, every story on the radio is like a saga. It's a saga. That's like their legends. Yeah. So this a is... A Viking saga. The Saga of the Lamb. And so we were still buzzing on that as we drove a little further, and found the sweet spot to pull in and camp right by a creek we have mountains across from us we have this beautiful we're on this rocky riverbank in between two kind of crumbling cliffs and the rocks are all amazing and all different colors shapes and sizes and so i like got to feed my inner child and do some rock stacks that i really enjoy making yeah it's so beautiful uh it was so windy that we had a hard time getting our propane camper stove to boil a pot of water oh like, my god it took so long we just wanted to boil a pot of water and it was so cold <laughs> and we were starting to like freeze and shiver and meanwhile i'm like shielding the little camp With, stove like, the table. from we all directions the table on its side and then had like another lid and another thing and a chair and like me and lying our bodies on the ground were just trying to get it so that it can <laughs> heat a pot of water but then we did, and it was like the most delicious little potato packet soup, and <laughs> oh, it was lovely, and some quinoa and uh, tea. Oh my gosh, warm food! It was the best. It was the best. And then we settled in. It's midnight. It's still loud outside. We made some love, and we're gonna go to sleep. Yeah, and I love how adventures like this—they really inspire so much gratitude because it's like. We don't, we don't even have anything. It's like we have a sleeping bag and some pillows and we have our van, which is our home and it's very tiny and modest, you know, and yet we're just like surrounded by so much beauty, so much beauty. And because of the ordeal that it took just to boil a pot of water, I like, I fucking savored every (laughs) sip of that little tiny glass of tea and I savored that soup and it was so delicious. And uh, that's what I love. That's what I love about camping and roughing yeah. it a little bit and, you know, getting out of our out of our normal routine and our element a bit. And something else that's pretty awesome about this experience, too, is the uncertainty involved, because we have no idea where we're going. I mean, we're following Ring Road. We're driving around the entire country of Iceland, but we haven't been there before, so we don't know what's around each turn and we're sleeping in our van, so we don't have, like, lodging set up, so we don't know how far we're going to go, we don't know where we're going to stop, and we don't know what our place is going to be like. And each night so far has just been incredible, the places we were able to find. And so it relies on this huge amount of trust, that we have to trust ourselves, we have to trust each other, and we have to trust the elements and God that we're just going to end up in the perfect spot and be totally safe and taken care of. Yeah, and there's this uh, a knowing, a trusting, an intuition, I suppose, because we'll drive along and, and we see some really great spots and we're like, is that our spot? It's like, no, no, that's not our home. And we have, yeah, every night found the most epic, perfect location to set up. Yep, and right away we know it's our spot. Right away we know it's our spot. So it's like there's no forcing involved. There's no, like, wishing and wanting things to be different either. It's like... We just know. 
And so that's, that's really a feeling that I, I live my life by. And of course I'm human. So sometimes I get into the pushing and the forcing as well, but you know, I'm really going to take this back home with me, that feeling of like trusting and then knowing. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. And being grateful for all the little teeny details that are so magnificent. And then not taking for granted all the awesome luxuries we normally have right. of being able to boil a pot of water easily and effortlessly, you know? Right. So, all right. It was quite an eventful day, and we got a lot more ahead of us. Yeah, so, it's well after midnight, so... I'm going to get this heater fired back up and turn these lights <laughs> out. Good night. Good night. Well, this is day four, and as we woke up today, I learned my lesson from yesterday with trying to boil the water for our dinner, how difficult it was. It was windy, and so I decided I was going to cook my lovely wife some breakfast, and I found a little niche in the rocks where I could prop the propane stove and shield it safely from the wind. And so I cooked this whole, like, vegan sausage and potatoes and onions and mushrooms and garlic scramble. Basically like something I would cook at home. And so it wasn't that far off. And it wasn't like, you know, a real step down for camping food. It was great. And then I got to sleep in, and he surprised me with this beautiful breakfast. And so here we are, just like in the most beautiful landscape just picturesque, and I get to enjoy a, a home-cooked meal. And it was so funny because I kept going back into the van to get items, to get one thing or another, and I would come in, and she's like, how's everything going out there? Yeah, I'm like, how are you it's, doing? Fine. it's fine, it's fine, great. great. And I'm just like, get my, get my spatula, close the door. And I was like, okay, so I just like had this leisurely morning. I slept in and took my time and then was present, presented this beautiful meal. Yeah. And, uh, and then we headed, we headed south. Yep. We hit the road, and some there was some really wild terrain today. We drove past these giant mountains that were, like, all gravel. Like, the whole mountain was disintegrating into a gravel hill, and so it leaves this, like, striking straight geometric line from the top of it all the way to the bottom. Well, and it can't help but instill a little bit of, like, kind of timid, timidness, timidity. whatever the word is and uh driving by because at like at any point it's so windy it feels like the whole the whole mountain could just get blown over the road and And like it's obviously crumbling already yeah yeah and there's not really much of a barricade wall or anything just like some little rock stacks basically well and then we found some more awesome ruins some really cool ruins and one of them had, like, this treasure of graffiti on the inside. I'm a big, like, graffiti and street art enthusiast. And so, tucked away on the inside of this broken-down building was this very well-done, detailed stencil of a Viking in a wheelchair, or, like, a hover-round, like a little motor scooter, with a giant 40-ounce <laughs> beer. Awesome. It's so with the, good. With like, classic Viking helmet 
With the horns and everything. It was awesome. Yeah. And it's just like tastefully done. Like there's no overspray. It's like just a perfect clean stencil. You can only see on the end. You have to be creeping and looking inside this old decrepit building to even see it. It was such a gem to find. Yeah. And there are lots of these ruins kind of tucked everywhere. Um, like the old turf houses and various styles of that. And then these interesting con concrete forms. And uh, I was able to go connect with a bunch of... Icelandic horses, really beautiful with their majestic manes. And so I was talking to them and taking photos. And I learned something I read about the Icelandic horses because they're all over the place and they really take pride in them. That one of the things that sets them apart, many things, but they're like their hardiness and their stature and everything, but they have a specific gait. They have two, a fourth and fifth gait way of running that are very unique and only the Icelandic horses do. The fourth one, it's like fourth and fifth gear for horses, horse gear. And the fourth one, they trot so smoothly because like a prance. two hooves are always on the ground. And then they just like pick two hooves up very lightly. And so the horse goes straight forward without going up and down. And they say that like a well-trained horse, the person could just sip a cup of tea and it wouldn't even be jostled or disturbed while the horse trotted. And then the fast it's one is like... pretty fun to watch, actually. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> I, I, we saw footage on the plane and we were like, whoa, they're like... Because they really pick their legs up way high. It's like high stepping it. High step. And then the last one is like lightning speed. Like just running all out full speed for very short distances. So that's yeah. kind of cool about the horses. Yeah. So they go really fast, but only for a short amount of time. Yeah. Cool. Then... We got to our real big destination of the day so far. It's the real showstopper. We turned this corner. We tried to do a couple other things, and they just weren't. We missed the tour. We did this or that. We couldn't go do the thing. And so we weren't really let down, but we were like, oh, I don't know what's going to be next. And the next thing you know, boom, Rachel's like, turn right. Oh, my God, Daniel, turn right. <laughs> and it was Glacier Lagoon. And Glacier Lagoon is absolutely amazing. It is at the tongue of the largest glacier in Europe. Vahtmajökull. And it's massive. It takes up a huge percentage of the Icelandic country. And the tip of the tongue is like 210 feet tall. It's yeah, like 70 than... meters tall. Yeah, yeah, it's like skyscraper tall. And it takes about a thousand years for a glacier at the ice from the top of the mountain peak to move its way all the way down to the lagoon. And then once it's in the lagoon, it takes about seven years for it to move out to sea, either melt or drift. And it was absolutely incredible. We boarded this giant amphibious vehicle. Huge tires. Taller than, like, way taller than me, these tires. Yeah. It was basically like a giant, super sturdy boat with huge tires. And it's really kind of a bumpy ride. Bumpy, mm -hmm. slow ride. And you board this thing, and then it drives you. You put on these huge orange life jackets, big bulky jackets. And then it drives you all bumpily down into the water. And then just drives right into the water. And turns into a boat and like starts driving around and in the in the lake in the lagoon. It's just so quiet out there and so beautiful and all these really gorgeous electric blues and whites and it, yeah, it was just I've never seen anything like it before. Yeah, and all the shapes, like the crazy organic geometry of it all, was really breathtaking because they're so like irregular and. It's so interesting, fascinating from all different angles. And the boat takes you out there, and uh, they tell you a little bit about it. And some of that thousand-year-old ice that Rachel was talking about, they even have 
a guy running around on a small little Zodiac that's scooping up pieces of this ice, a big, nice block, super clear ice out of the lagoon, like glass. And uh, then she tells the story about it and talks about the ice itself and then takes a little ice pick out and starts breaking off chunks and hands it out to everybody so you can, like, suck on it and taste it and, like, bite the ice. So we got to taste thousand-year-old ice. Or not taste. Right. It was so clean. Other people were uh, <laughs> putting this thousand-year-old ice into cups and then... Topping it off with some Crown Royale. <laughs> Taking shots with the... That was awesome. Yeah. The cool thing about that Zodiac driver is it follows the big amphibious boat the whole time. And my thinking is basically not only just to harvest that ice for us, but as a backup, because if anybody goes overboard into that cold water, um, he's right behind the big boat because the big boat couldn't turn around in time to get him. And he would be there in like 10 seconds to pick somebody up. And it was really cool because I had my camcorder and I was kind of filming some stuff so I could, you know, remember this experience and put together a video of it. And I hold the camcorder up. I go to the back of the boat. Everybody's looking at the icebergs and taking pictures of the icebergs. And I walk to the back of the boat and held the camcorder up in the air to film the dude in the Zodiac. It's like completely covered head to toe. You can't even see him. He looks like a character out of Star Wars because he has, like, a big scarf, face cover, sunglasses, and hat. Like, he has zero skin exposed. And he's standing up in the Zodiac and steering with this big, long, extended handle. And I start filming him, and he kind of waves at me and then starts hot-dogging it and doing all these tricks. And he's, like, doing donuts out in the lagoon and, like, leaning down and touching the water and, like, cutting back and forth. And then he'd whip right up next to the boat, like almost like bump into the boat and grab onto the boat. And he was, was giving like kids high, high fives. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. It was really great. Oh, it was just incredible. And then like some of the, you know, the different colors they explained what that meant, like the black stripes and. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the parts of the ice that were really white had been exposed to the sun for a long time. And the parts of the ice that were really that electric blue that I spoke of earlier, that is actually an optical illusion caused by uh, water density. So when there's a lot, a big bulk of water, uh, like the lake looks really blue and, um, and so when the icebergs flip, then they're all like waterlogged underneath. And so they, they reflect that blue. What did she say? Because it was like the ice can reflect every, it can absorb every single color except for blue. So then it shows up blue. Right. Amazing. That's wild. It's a lot of science. Oh, it was one of the most spectacular things I've ever done. So cool and such a unique experience. And then we got back on the road and, uh, drove and at the next thing you come to past this glacier lagoon is basically like a black sand desert it goes for so long just like miles and miles and miles like as far as the eye can see really in all directions in all directions just black sand flat for almost an hour like 45 minutes about just wild and so that's the biggest glacial washout zone and it's uh in this area where like sometimes up in the glacial lakes the water will build up and then 
the ice dam will break and send this huge torrential flood down there. And so until 1970, it wasn't even connected and nobody could even cross that way. And so then they finally, in 1970, built a uh, connecting freeway, which is the ring road that we've been traveling on. Yeah, just a little two-lane, nothing fancy kind of road. There's no shoulder even on the whole road all the way around the whole island. Um, and then from there, we got into this other terrain that I had n- I've had i never experienced anything like this either. It's like everywhere we go here, I'm like, oh my god, I've never seen anything like this before. It's all these boulders and rocks and like rolling hills that are covered in moss. You know, You can't even really see the rocks. It's just all this really dense, fluffy moss like you could make a bed out of it and all the rocks are so lumpy just like like yeah, so lumpy, like lumpy round rolly moss rocks yeah for also as far as the eye can see for miles i mean we probably drove through that for about 30 minutes yeah it's really weird and the craziest thing with all these things we're describing there are very very few trees of any kind in Iceland. And so your views just go on forever. So when like Rachel's describing these mossy rocks, there's no trees to really judge depth or distance or anything. You just see this one like texture of the ground go on and just spread out forever. It's really cool. Oh, and then we came to this, uh, we were hunting an elusive hot spring because we found this hot spring on a map. There's all these different hot pots and, you know, little natural hot springs, but some of them you can access easily. Some of them might be like kind of secret and hidden. You have to hike to. Yeah. And so we need four wheel drive and all that. Tried to find this one. Could, it was kind of a dead end, the information we found, but right where the dead end said that this supposed hot pot was, was this awesome waterfall. And, like, we've seen so many waterfalls since we've been here of all different kinds. But this one was really interesting because, not because of its size or its, like, power or anything, but kind of its delicacy. It had just this tiny tendril of water falling down quite a large cliff. And it was such a small amount of water that the wind would change and move the waterfall all over and, like, kind of make it dance in the air. And it had a troll. The whole uh, face of the cliff was this big troll face, and the and the waterfall would like kind of drizzle on his eye or drizzle on his nose or on his upper lip, and he just looked like he was like a grumpy troll hanging out behind this waterfall, getting, getting dripped on getting, all the time, dripped on for eternity. Yeah. And then we kind of go down some other pools, and then like come out the corner of his mouth, like drool coming down the corner of his mouth. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. Yeah. And then we just finished up the day here at a, because we really had our heart set on a hot spring and we wanted to get warm and get clean and, you know, we've been driving for a few days. And so we just found a, the local pool and all the pools here are like outdoor pools heated. So we went swimming and then we went in the hot tub and yeah, now we're ready to find our home for the night. Yeah, it's, it's pretty spectacular. And uh, this country has just been so inviting to us so far and Everybody speaks English. You know, we were talking, Rachel and I were talking about how, just how thankful and how humbled we are that here we came to a foreign country that has their own language that is awesome, and we don't need to know any Icelandic. We can get around anywhere we need. There are a couple of times you kind of have to decipher some stuff, some signage or whatnot, but for the most part, especially when you're dealing with people, everybody's so friendly and helpful and... And willing to speak English. Yeah, yeah. It's really great. It's really wonderful. Yeah, and actually, you know what? I'm feeling inspired to put together a list of my favorite things about Iceland or like why 
the rest of the world needs to be like Iceland. <laughs> and so now we're looking forward to our next couple days. We're going to slow it down a little bit and stop cruising from one town to the next every single day. We've been driving like all day, every day, pretty much. We're going to slow it down a little bit, have a little more time to spend in each area, but we still have a few more days of adventure before going into the big city. So this is fantastic. It's day five. Rachel is wafting her fart into my face. This is van life. We've been huffing each other's farts nonstop. <laughs> All right. Good morning. It's day five. We just woke up. There's an awesome bird washing itself in a creek right in front of us. It's really interesting. And since we last checked in, after we went to the Glacier Lagoon, which was amazing, last night we drove on to explore Vik, at least the black sand beaches that are outlying Vik, Iceland. And there's this huge rock, this giant rock and earth structure that kind of stands alone in the middle of this vast expanse of black sand. Huge expanse of black sand. Like so many miles. It's just flat black. How big do you think that rock is? Oh, I don't know. It's really big. A square big. mile or more? Oh, maybe more. Maybe maybe two. Two square miles. It's huge. It's like an island of itself just out of the black sand. Yeah, and it's riddled with caves. And as we were driving to it, we could see a giant cave in the side. And I was like, oh, wow, we got to get there. Wouldn't it be cool if there was just a road that, like, we could just drive right out to it? Because it looked like it was a ways out and, like, you'd have to hike. And then, sure enough, there was a road that you could drive right to it. Not to the first side we saw, but to the other side. So we got out there, and it was just cooler and cooler as we went. And there's, like Rachel said, there's just so many caves. It's It's like Swiss cheese, this big rock island. Yeah, and some are accessible right at the ground level, and some are way up high, and there's, like, there's, like, millions of birds making their nests in all these little caves. And they just have the coolest spot because they have these little um, little mini cave recesses, so they're sheltered, but then they're, you know, right near the sea, and so they can go out, eat fish, come back, and just make their nests. And so the whole cliffsides have these white birds all over, just nesting and making noise. It's great. So we came across this um, really big cave. As we're driving around, we're just driving on the sand, on the compact sand around the the big structure and there's a really big cave with this very interesting shaped opening and uh there's a cool vehicle parked right out front it's like a crazy survivor apocalypse vehicle pretty awesome don't even know how to describe it but it had a painting of the three wise men on the side which is kind of interesting on their camels yeah and this thing this van was like packed full of stuff yeah, Load, like, loaded up like it was the apocalypse. Extra gas cans, propane tanks, motorcycle lift on the back. It was really cool. Huge tires. Yeah, it looked like an old converted military vehicle kind of thing, almost Mad Max-ish, without the flaming guitar player swinging from the top. Uh -uh. But so then we go into this cave and it's like wet and drippy. Oh yeah, water's just drip, drip, drip from the ceiling of the cave and. Yeah, and and then when we're inside, when you look out, there's the cave, um, you know, entrance, but then there's also sort of this, like, skylight, and so I got some really beautiful pictures of, like, the sun setting 
through this this dark cave. And then as I'm doing that, I'm looking up there, I see a a creature crawl across that skylight just really fast. I see the shadow move across on the outside like it had been watching us. And I kind of sensed that there was some particular energy around. And and I'm like, oh my God, Daniel, like a, a, like a being, like a creature just went by. And, uh, and it moved pretty quickly, but I could see that it had, uh, you know, a head and four, four limbs and it was about human size. I'm, I'm sort of a small human. So it was about my size, maybe just a little bit smaller, um, and really nimble. Like it moved really quick and sort of, it had sort of like a, 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 a golem, golem Smeagol kind of movement. Anyway, so I was on high alert. And then, uh, then we start exploring even more. We climb way up high. We'll, we'll have to post the picture of us like climbing really, really high into this, these caves and our little tiny camper van down below looks like just a speck, a little white speck. Yeah. Black sand. It was really great. Somebody had like kind of made some steps, some really rudimentary steps. But by that, I just mean they like took a shovel and like flattened out a little place for your foot in to go earth. in the earth. Like, removed the turf, just so there was, like, dirt, 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 and so you can kind of see where to step. And you walk up this really steep hill, and then the thing that led us up there is we saw a cave up in the hill. It just looked really interesting, and I crept around in there, and it was, like, so weird, the formations of the rock. And then we kept going up a little higher, and there was a kind of a little stone... I don't know. It was like a little nook, a little cubby. So it like came in enough to sit on and then came up above you and back out. So you were like sheltered and covered. And there was a sign that said, basically, don't go any further if you're afraid of heights or children because there's unsure footing and it's really steep. So that's where I stopped. I looked around the corner and I was like, "Uh, I could have done a part of it, but the getting to the part that I could do felt really scary because you had to basically step over this expanse where there wasn't any any rock that felt a little bit and you're really really high up really high and so it was already scary for me to be up as high as we were let alone then like kind of creep around this this mountain corner where there was no support structure at all and then get to these like really gravelly steps i was like eh, i'm good my body said no so i trusted that yeah and i'm really glad you did because it was pretty intense so then I got up around that corner, and right away I'm like, oh my gosh, Rachel, oh my god, whoa, whoa. And so I have to kind of describe to her what's going on. And there's these, you turn, you have to turn this sharp corner on this little, like, stone platform, do a U-turn, and then back around the other side that you couldn't even see from the first place, there's, like, chain handles embedded into the stone. Like, somebody got up there and put in chain handles into the stone. And mind you, all of this... I don't know, well, this one, the the chain handles, I think, must have been done by the government, but a lot of the, like, the steps, I feel, were just, like, cut by a person. I think that somebody just, like, took the time to do it. But so, get up there, and there's a chain, like, stainless steel chain handles and bolts drilled into the side of the cliff, and then there's a steel platform, a big metal platform, uh, maybe, like, four feet wide by, like, three feet deep, and you climb onto this platform and then hold onto the steel handles chain handles and climb your way up this really loose, slippery gravel floor up into a cave. And up into that cave, you go into it. And as you go into it, I open my eyes and look and oh my gosh, there's a giant skylight. There's like a huge window up in this room. So it's like this awesome room. It's dry. It's not wet at all. And it has, it's like a room with a view, huge open window. And then you can step out that window 
And then all you see is this awesome, amazing expanse. And mind you, this is like 11 o'clock at night because it's still light enough to see. And so there's this amazing expanse of Black Beach. The sun and the clouds or the sky and the clouds are just like a painting. And um, it was just breathtaking. I made a video of this little ascent, this climb into the upper cave to see what was there. And it was one of the coolest experiences of my life. I mean, my like inner child, my inner kid was just going nuts with this expedition. So I got enough of that, and then we made our way back down. I scooted down on my butt. I, <laughs> I was too scared to even stand. It was so steep. So I, I scooted all the way down, and we decide to want we want to go exploring even more. We want to see that big, huge cave that um, that first caught our eye. Yeah, that we saw from the road. Uh, and we start going, and it's so windy, and it's almost midnight at this point, and it's super windy, and I hear this, like, voice in my head that says, like, turn around now, or don't go any farther, and I was like, what? No way. Get out of my head. I thought it was just the fear talking, right? And then I heard it again, and I was like, oh, okay. And I I chose to ignore this, not so much warning, but feedback, and Daniel had run off to go explore another big piece of rock in the sand. And I'm like, all right, if we're going to do this, it's midnight. Let's move quick. Let's go get in this cave. And it was a ways off. And so we decided that we didn't have the daylight or, or the, just en- the energy, or the energy yeah. to like go that far. It was probably maybe a mile. Probably more. I don't even know how long because it was so long to where we could see. And then that still wasn't there yet, so then it could have been, like, multiple times further Yeah, from there. at this point, we couldn't even see the road. So, we decided to turn back around and drive and find our camp for the night. And we wanted to give this, you know, big, huge van, the Mad Max van, their space for the night. <laughs> um, and we'd actually found another little cave where it looked like people had had some fires before. And we, we considered having a fire, and I thought, eh... Oh, it was really cool. It had like a stone wall in the entry. Yeah, it looked really ancient. And I I just was like, I don't think that... Everything in, in me told me, no, do not have a fire here. That that would be like somehow disrespectful or it just wasn't right. And I love fires. I love evening fires. Um, we haven't had any fires since we've been here because it just didn't seem appropriate. And even though there were remnants of fire in this cave, I thought, no, it's still not appropriate. And, and it's like a time commitment, you yeah. know? It's already after midnight. We haven't eaten yet. We haven't found our location where we're going to sleep yet. So we just, uh, we kept moving. We found the most gorgeous campsite. Yeah, it was like secluded, kind of tucked away in this little, I don't know. I don't know what to call it, but it's like a recess inside the rock. And so you'd go inside, you'd have a cliff face on one side and kind of a rolling hill on the other side. And all black sand underneath. And a, and a creek. There was, this is the craziest thing. There's this giant, like, land island, basically. And then somehow water is pushing its way from the earth all the way up to the top of this thing and then cascading back down. So there's like a little waterfall and a creek and a brook and fresh water right where we are. It was like incredible. So beautiful moss covered rocks and birds everywhere and. Yeah. And then the first thing, right when we park and get set up, we're like, oh, this is our spot. Great, great, cool. I'm going to go explore. And Daniel goes exploring, and I start tending to the house, or van. (laughs) And he comes running back, and he's like, Rachel, if we were Vikings, this would be our homestead. And I'm like, rad. I love it. Yeah, for sure. I ended up following a path. I went all the way up to the top of the big landmass, at the very top, even to the point that 
when I went, I looked down over the cliff and I could see the Mad Max van, like right below me. So we went all the way around the thing and then I went up back and over the hill and saw him again. You know, yeah, it's like midnight. I can still see everything. I'm taking cool photos. I did a, another photosphere up on top of this hill. There's like an old ancient stone wall that's like been covered with turf and grass through the years. At the very beginning of this trail, there was a uh, big sign all in Icelandic with some different dates, no translation, and like showed some different sites on this landmass. But so it's like midnight and I'm like running down a mountain, like just running down this hill and feeling so free and so invincible. And it's awesome. And I was like praying and just thanking God and the heavens and creation for this amazing experience in this place. So I get back down and I'm going to, you know, cook my wife some food. And so I start heating up the dinner and I cook dinner and it's all great. And I actually made us tea right out of the stream. I just got water right from the stream, boiled it, and then, you know, made some tea out of that. And then we sat down in the van to have our dinner. Oh, as I was cooking, I'm sitting there cooking and... I saw a creature. I saw a little flash. I'm like looking at my pot and it's still light-ish. And this shadowy, it wasn't black, but it was this like shadowy, warpy, like discernible figure very fast and swiftly ran up the stream, like whoosh, just right past me. And it was one of those things where, you know, many times my rational brain will talk myself out of those things and I'll be like, oh, I didn't really see that. My mind's playing tricks on me, whatever. But, like, I knew it. I saw something, and I knew that I saw something. And so when it happened, it was like, whoosh, it ran by me. And I was like, oh, wow, well, I see that you're here. I see that you're letting your presence be known. Thank you for letting us be here. The whole time, mind you, even as I was taking the water from the stream to make the tea, I was thanking the stream. I was thanking the site and the land and, like, really asking permission to take the water and being very kind. But so when I see the swoosh, I'm like, oh, I see you there. Okay, I know you're here. And I, you know just kept doing my thing and did a little prayer of protection and kept going. And keep in mind that this is a land where pretty much everybody that lives on this island has had some experience with the elementals or elves or gnomes or trolls. The whole country, the whole island believes in them. And we're actually going to be going to elf school at the end of our trip where we're going to learn about all of the people's experiences. Like even the people that are you know, high up in the political system have had experiences with the elementals here. So it's a really magical land, and we had our very first brushes of that. I mean, I've sensed things around, but I actually, Daniel and I both saw figures. Oh, visibly. Yeah, I, I saw it run by me. And so he gets in the car and tells me this, and we're eating our food, and I'm like, uh, I mean, should we go? Like, are we invading their space? Like, are we safe? So then I was like, I need to really check in and ask, because I hadn't at that point really, in a reverent and deep asking way, gotten the information that I needed yet. So we eat our food, and I check in, and I just ask, you know, are we safe? Yes. Then I ask, should we keep moving? And I get yes. (laughs) And then I ask, will you let us sleep here? And then I heard yes. And then I said, are you going to fuck with us? Yes. (laughs) So it was like, yes, we're going to play tricks on you. Yes, you're totally safe. Yes, you should probably keep moving. And yes, we would let you sleep for a period of time. But it's like midnight and now it's actually getting dark. Now it's actually really dark. We've eaten our food. You can still see a little bit in, in the night. And I'm just like, I'm just sort of sensing stuff around the vehicle. 
and um, kind of did that thing, like where I started to talk myself into, okay, we can, let's just be here for the night. Even though I got all this information, let's just be here. You know, it's more hassle to continue on. And so uh, we start settling in and then I hear a sound. It sounds like this. And then I hear it again. And it sounds like something hit the car. It sounded like rocks got thrown at the car almost from all angles or something kind of hit the siding. And then I, now my heart's racing and I'm like, Daniel, did you hear that? What was that? And I'm thinking, I'm like, I think it was like mechanical. I think it was the car. He's like, yes, I heard it. I'm like, oh my God. And so she starts, <laughs> she starts kind of like looking around us in the, in the bedding. And then she sees that the key fob, the auto lock key fob was like under her foot. And she had hit the thing twice with her foot. So I was like, okay, all right. That feels a little bit better. So she takes the key fob and like sets it aside Way about away from both you know, of us an just arm length away from both of us bed. just sitting on the bed and we sit there and keep eating for a little while and we're talking and she's kind of asking like well blah, 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 should we leave and i'm like well don't go making it a thing i mean now we're all right. getting worked up now and like yeah. your foot hit the thing and then all of a sudden it goes off again and the thing was sitting an arm length away from either of us neither of us pressed it and i was like all right yes we need to go now and I'm like, okay yep all right, let's back. Let's let's get our stuff and go. And so I finished my last couple of bites of food, and we just packed up and went. And I and I'm, but I'm even still trying to rationalize it. I'm like, okay, so what would be, what would make that happen without us touching it? Like, really? Maybe the button got stuck and then it went off, or maybe there's some weird time delay. I don't know. We didn't give a shit. It was time to go. <laughs> so we pack everything up at, at midnight, and we keep driving. And mind you, this this van that we're in is brand new. We're the very first people to use it. It had like no miles, fifty kilometer on it when we when we took this thing out. So it's brand new, and we've been out for days and have had no weird mechanical mal- malfunctions or issues whatsoever. So the little key fob thing signaling by itself, sitting an arm length away from both of us, it was it was good enough. Yeah, it felt clue. a little eerie. So so anyway, we uh, moseyed on down the road and found the most beautiful site. We're currently next to a lovely waterfall, and like Daniel said, there's a little creek. It's spectacular. Yeah, it's gorgeous. So, and it was so funny because that, the whatever the thing, Rachel even asked me, like, well, what, what was it that you think you saw? And I was like, oh, I know this sounds funny because we're in Iceland, but it felt like a leprechaun. Mm-hmm. It had, like, leprechaun energy. Kind of like, you know, prankstery, real fast, real sly, not really malicious, but, like, definite trickstery yeah mischievous so anyway we shook that off and rolled into our other campsite like at one in the morning and uh wow what a day Mm -hmm. and we got a good nine hours of sleep and here we are in vic uh vic ready to ready to go we can see the beautiful rock stacks in the distance on the black sandy beach now we're right next to a waterfall like i said and it's a good day yeah, we're going to go get into some more adventure and stay away from the Icelandic leprechauns. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'd be into seeing some fairies or elves. Oh, we will see the elves. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> we'll check in later.
Wow, so are you captivated with Iceland or what? We certainly are, and we look forward to sharing even more of our adventure with you in part two and three of our Icelandic travel log. Thank you so much for joining us. Come back for the other parts. Uh, it's a really incredible experience. And as always, tell your friends. Much love.